Welcome to For What It's Worth, a podcast from Raymond James, designed to help you plan, invest, and live smarter. Hi, listeners, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. We're glad to have you with us. You can find this episode and more For What It's Worth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today, we are continuing our conversation about the financial industry's transition from LIBOR, the London Interbank Offered Rate, to SOFR, the Secured Overnight Financing Rate. Now, in our previous episode, we discussed some of the reasons behind the transition and what it means for certain securities. This time, we are digging into the implications when it comes to lending and borrowing. Our featured guest is Head of Private Client Banking at Raymond James Bank, Bill Geis. Bill, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Paige. Thanks for having me. Can you get us started by talking about LIBOR when it comes specifically to the banking world? Sure. LIBOR is really just an index and of which the client's borrowing and borrowing rate is based. So typically what you'll see is LIBOR plus uh, some sort of spread. And it's very similar and has evolved, if you will, in the private client space or sort of the, the more retail space, probably going back the last 15 or so years. Very similar to what used to be sort of the prime rate where you know banks would say their best borrowers were sort of a prime-based borrower, and uh, you know, which prime tended to follow sort of Fed funds. This is just another index that, that banks and, uh, and borrowers use to establish the end, uh, end rate for a client. One of the characteristics that's been talked about when it comes to SOFR is the fact that it is a risk-free rate. It is not a benchmark that includes a credit risk premium within itself. Can you tell us about that significance? Yeah, I would say the significance there is really that historically, um, that credit implication associated with LIBOR and other credit sensitive rates is you ended up seeing a lot more volatility in the interest rate. So in times of high stress and economic conditions, so the two that I, I can sort of think about the most would be sort of, you know, mid, you know, I, I think I said sort of August of 07 and through you know, summer of 08, you saw a big spike in divergence in LIBOR versus, you know, Fed funds and other other rates as the Fed, you know, lowered. And so that seems to widen out. You saw the same thing last spring uh, with, with COVID and the market conditions is that, you know, those rates tend to spike when there's sort of uncertainty, uh, when they're credit sensitive. So it should, you know, overall be a, more, a less volatile rate as you switch to SOFR than what you're experiencing with the historical LIBOR rates. You know, that, that gap, if you will, between sort of what I would sort of call almost an implied SOFR sort of overnight uh, rate, which seems to model, has been as high as 127 basis points, um, you know, going back to 07, 08. So it, it can be a pretty, pretty wide uh, divergence in rates. You talked about the divergence during those more, you know, extreme conditions. Have the two tended to move in tandem when it comes to periods that were less volatile? Yeah, I, I think they do tend to move, you know, much more, they are much more closely aligned historically uh, in less volatile times and tend to be pretty close to on top of each other. Um, you know, not, not a basis point for basis, point, but much closer, you know, in sort of movement and directionally in terms of the, without the large spikes one way or the other. So I think that's, that's consistent there across the across the board. 
is the move for the majority of all or all of banks going to be to SOFR specifically, or are there other indices that are being considered or being used? Um, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, the 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 push, if you will, is for more transparency coming from the the ARC, um, and, and that is if you sort of listen to the regulators. Um, sort of a SOFR first mentality and approach. So while there may be other indexes that, that are considered, um, whether it be for smaller banks, you may hear something called a Maribor, which is you know, sort of a, you know, the American version of LIBOR, if you will, um, or Bisbee, which is a Bloomberg proprietary index. Um, you know, more and more the regulated, regulators are suggesting or strongly encouraging Maybe a better way to say it that uh, that banks ad- adopt SOFR or something similar to SOFR, um, you know, even including a prime rate. You're seeing, you know, we're hearing of banks, more smaller banks, if you will, adopting more of a, a prime-based approach again, where it's prime plus or minus uh, a spread um, to get to the same point. And I think that's, you know, maybe the bigger takeaway is at the end of the day, you do tend to get to the same and borrowing costs for clients, um, but it's just a matter of how you calculate it to get to the same spot. What are you seeing around the industry when it comes to the planned timing for this shift? Is there a hard deadline? Is it going to be a bit of a rolling change? Yeah, so, so the there, there is a hard deadline um, for new transactions cannot be entered into after the first of the year. So what you're seeing is in in, in in our space specifically to Raymond James, um, you know, we will make no new loans, obviously on LIBOR based after the beginning of this year. But what you're seeing is in a lot of products, um, you can see they have renewal periods. So when they come up for renewals at some point in the future, they will be renewed under sort of a SOFR or, or a different index. Uh, we have sort of a unique product here that tends to have a long, long shelf life with the securities-based line of credit, which is very similar to a lot of other of our wealth management counterparts. And what we're doing is consistent with, with that industry and in that we are changing um, to go to a SOFR-based pricing. At the same time, uh, our rates will change on 12.1. Some of our competitors have already changed all of their loans already, and but we, we do expect uh, the vast, vast majority of our loans, both their existing book of business as well as their new loans, to be uh, SOFR-based you know, by the end of the year. What is the experience throughout this transition period going to be like for individual borrowers, not just at Raymond James Bank, but really across the industry? What is it going to be like for those investors who have loans already in place? I, I think they, they will receive typically some some level of notice that their rate of the index is changing. Um, most of those clients have probably already received something along those lines going back a year or so ago if they've had their line of credit for some period of time or their existing loan agreement spells out that this was coming. You know, the, the industry um, you know, knew that this change was coming by the end of this year and has been preparing for it in many ways. Uh, including with notices and changes to existing agreements to make sure that they had sufficient uh, what they call fallback language to cover you in the event of the change, which was expected. Um, From the end client, I I think they should see minimal change overall. 
Uh, you know, we, we obviously can't say what's going to happen with the market and how those rates are going to, you know, come together over time. You know, could you see a more volatile LIBOR rate up or down? Yes, you could between now and the end of the year. So I can't speak to exactly how that that will shake out. But I think his, over the course of, of time, again, historically, they do tend to, to be much, much closer in, in general. You know, obviously, we are also in an, an unprecedented time in terms of, uh, you know, as, as you hear, you know, the, the press and everybody talking about it, unprecedented liquidity in, in the quote unquote system, um, you know, as, as part of the um, support of the economy over the last you know, 18, 19 months since, the, uh, since COVID really took, took impact to the country and, and the globe for that matter. And that has had some consequences in driving some rates down probably to uh, un, un very pre- unprecedented levels, put it that way. Can you tell us a bit about the corporate borrower side of this? Because we've talked about individual borrowers, individual loans, but corporate entities are also massive borrowers with loans worth, you know, billions and billions of dollars. What is this shift going to mean for them? I, I, I think that this shift for corporate borrowers should be uh, probably something they're more familiar with um, and, and more accustomed to and, and maybe um, as I say that, you would say that uh, probably more expected, but, but we are hearing anecdotally from some consultants that we've talked to as recently as, as late last week, that some of them, some of the CFOs, treasurers out there are really not sure how that's going to impact them ov- overall, but it, it should have minimal, just like with the consumer, minimal impact to them. Uh, anything that they may have hedged on an interest rate standpoint will stay in place just uh, across the board with the LIBOR hedge, where, where it will come into play more so is most corporate loans tend to renew either every year or every couple of years. And so it'll impact them more on a go-forward basis on their new loans than it does on their, their existing book of business. You've discussed kind of the near-term implications that it's likely this won't feel like a massive transition for borrowers as it occurs. But long-term, what is this shift going to mean for the industry overall? I think what it, what it really means is you have more transparency for the for the individual borrowers, whether it be the, a company or or an individual consumer uh, across the board, and less volatility in terms of interest rates uh, with these wide wide uh, swings in, in the marketplace. And I think that's going to be a good thing for for them overall, which is really really key. Uh, you know, transparency was the ultimate goal here, and I, I think that's going to get accomplished. Bill, we really appreciate your perspective on this topic. What's one key takeaway that you would like to leave our listeners with? I, I think sort of what I, what I just sort of alluded to is that this is a transparent, um, you know, change in the in the markets, if you will. Um, you know, really driven from an effort to. Uh, make sure that there's no way for you know large financial institutions to manipulate rates in any way, which, is, which sort of goes back to the you know the root root cause of why this is being done. You know, you go back to the 0708 time period and, and later when there was perception that banks um, were manipulating LIBOR, and you know obviously that 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 came to fruition. So this this will eliminate that and should. Um, create a much, much stronger position for our clients and and I think for the industry as all into the creating more transparency for them. 
Bill Geis, the head of private client banking at Raymond James Bank. Thank you again for sitting down to speak with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Paige. Appreciate it. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. You can find more episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time. All opinions and information, including any price references or market forecasts, correspond to the recording date listed in this episode's description. Any performance figures noted do not include fees or charges, which would reduce an investor's returns. The information contained in this podcast is not research, nor does it constitute the provision of any investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or recommendations to the listener. Raymond James and its financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and you should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance is not an indication of future results. There is no assurance any investment strategy will be successful. Investing involves risk, and investors may incur a profit or a loss. Investment products are not deposits, not FDIC and CUA insured, not insured by any government agency, not bank guaranteed, subject to risk and may lose value. Copyright 2020 Raymond James and Associates Inc. Member New York Stock Exchange, SIPC. Copyright 2020 Raymond James Financial Services Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC. Raymond James and Associates Inc. and Raymond James Financial Services Inc. are affiliates of Raymond James Bank. The London Interbank Offered Rate, LIBOR, is a set of several benchmarks that reflect the average interest rate at which large global banks can borrow from each other. The leading indicator used to price loans and other debt instruments, it is produced once a day by the Intercontinental Exchange, ICE, and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. A securities-based line of credit, SBLC, may not be suitable for all clients. The proceeds from an SBLC cannot be A, used to purchase or carry securities, B, deposited into a Raymond James investment or trust account, C, used to purchase any product issued or brokered through an affiliate of Raymond James, including insurance, or D, otherwise used for the benefit of or transferred to an affiliate of Raymond James. Raymond James Bank does not accept RJF stock or any securities issued by affiliates of Raymond James Financial as pledged securities towards an SBLC. Borrowing on securities-based lending products and using securities as collateral may involve a high degree of risk, including unintended tax consequences and the possible need to sell your holdings, which may lead to a significant impact on long-term investment goals. Market conditions can magnify any potential for loss. If the market turns against the client, he or she may be required to quickly deposit additional securities and or cash in the account or accounts or pay down the loan to avoid liquidation. The securities in the pledged account may be sold to meet the collateral call and the firm can sell the client securities without contacting them. A client is not entitled to choose which securities or other assets in his or her account are liquidated or sold to meet a collateral call. The firm can increase its maintenance requirements at any time and is not required to provide a client advance written notice. A client is not entitled to an extension of time on a collateral call. Increased interest rates could also affect SOFA rates or any successor rate thereto that applied to your SBLC, causing the cost of the credit line to increase significantly. The interest rates charged are determined by the market value of pledged assets and the net value of the client's non-pledged capital access account. Securities-based line of credit provided by Raymond James Bank. Raymond James and Associates, Inc. and Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. are affiliated with Raymond James Bank, member FDIC. The secured overnight financing rate, SOFR, 
is an influential interest rate that banks use to price U.S. dollar-denominated derivatives and loans. The daily secured overnight financing rate, SOFR, is based on transactions in the treasury repurchase market, where investors offer banks overnight loans backed by their bond assets. Copyright 2021, Raymond James Bank, member FDIC. Products, terms, and conditions subject to change, subject to standard credit criteria.